You are listening to Life Improvement Radio on the Helium Radio Network. Hey everybody, Aaron Richmond here with another exciting episode of Aaron's Opinion, the podcast for blind people where we speak about critical issues in the blindness community from all over the world. By the way, sighted people are always welcome to guests here. In fact, our guest today is sighted and he definitely is from all over the world. We'll get to that in a moment. To join the public WhatsApp group or to send me a text message or you just want to get in touch with the show, one 9869 Aaron's Opinion 6 at gmail.com. A-A-R-A-A-R-O-N-S-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-6 at gmail.com. That's the beauty of podcasting. Let me let me give you the email address again. Aaron's Opinion 6 at gmail.com. A-A-R-O-N-S-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-6 at gmail.com. There we go. You can, of course, send a message to, to the Facebook page. By the way, nobody ever does that. I've just always wondered why. Um, and always follow on Twitter or comment below on YouTube. And, of course, you could even consider joining my Patreon Okay, well, let's get into today's guest, as always. Um, Today's guest, we think, we're pretty sure, was suggested to me uh, by Mariam Carfilla. And, of course, you all remember the episode, Hey, Mariam. Um, So this is someone that Mariam, basically, this is Mariam's neighbor. He is sighted. His name is Oliver. And he basically hails from California, but now lives in Tunisia, in Sfaxa near, well, obviously near Mariam, because Mariam, you know, knows knows of this person. Anyway, um, you know, the interview today, you know, I must say that Oliver was, uh, you know, understandably, and it was, it was, I was secretly noticing it, but I, I didn't want to say anything. But Oliver was a little nervous when he came in, which is understandable. He had never been on a podcast before. And of course, I'm just some stranger. He had no idea who I was. So that was totally understandable. But I think he really got a lot out of it. And I think he really enjoyed, you know, learning about podcasting and telling me about some of his experiences he's having as a teacher over there um, in Tunisia. Um, And it was just a really good conversation. And I just cannot appreciate what he's doing enough. I think it's really, really great that he's a teacher in Tunisia and trying to teach people English. And he specifically teaches a communications course. But we'll get into that um, in, in a minute when I put him on. All right. So Oliver did a great job. This episode is definitely called Communication with Oliver. The following episode of Aaron's Opinion was recorded on the, on the 16th of November. Um, at, uh, at 1200 New York. You are now listening to this episode on the 5th of May, 2022. So it's Thursday, the 5th of May, 2022. It's 12 o'clock. It's time for Aaron's opinion on Life Improvement Radio on the Helium Radio Network. I wanted to take this time, Oliver, and welcome you to Aaron's opinion um, and say that I forget who it was who wanted me to connect with you, but I'm very pleased that we've connected today. My first question, as I ask any other guest or all guests from around the world, who is Oliver Wynn? Hey, Aaron. It's nice to meet you. I am, my name's Oliver Wynn, yes. I think it was Miriam 
Mariam it was either Mariam Karfiya or Radwan Mednini, but either one of them suggest I forget who it was who suggested this, but yes. Okay. I don't know the other one, so it's, uh, it, must it must be, be Mariam. Mm -hmm. Yes. It must be Mariam Karfiya, yes. Uh my name's Oliver, yes. I'm 23 years old. I'll actually be 24, I think, in what, a week or two. Mm -hmm. But I am uh, from California, born and raised, and uh, that's uh, in Oxnard, actually, which is a little bit north of Los Angeles. Okay. And yeah, so right now I am in Tunisia, and I'm teaching English communications, and I've been here for about two months now. So, you know, as you know, the majority of my guests are blind, like me. But of course, sighted people like you are always welcome. I've interviewed a lot of sighted people around the world. So, you know, you aren't blind. You don't you don't have a disability and you started out in California. So what made you want to just totally change your life and come to Tunisia? Yeah, that's a good question, yeah. To be honest, I have been living at the same place my whole life, you know, so I've always lived in Oxnard. Uh, I've gone to college and university locally around where I lived. So really, I just wanted to get a change of scenery. Uh, I wanted to get out somewhere and yeah, just live in a different place, some place that I maybe don't understand, but I could learn to appreciate or see the way other people live. That's really, it's a really important point. And that's why I've done a lot of traveling around the world myself to see, to have a perspective on how others, you know, how others view life and basically how others go about living. It's, it's certainly interesting. So then in the end, how and why did you choose Tunisia? To be honest, I was planning on going to Spain originally. And what happened was, this opportunity kind of just presented itself to me. Uh, my mom, who's a professor, she was somehow in contact with uh, the center, the guy that runs the center that I'm working at now, Richard Howard. And he was just looking for a position for someone to come from the United States to work there. It kind of just seemed, yeah, it kind of just fell into place. So I decided, no, may as well go there. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. So now are you, um, are you living in, in Tunis? In Tunis? I don't live in Tunis. No, I live three hours about by car south of Tunis. Uh, it's in the second largest city in Tunisia. It's called Sfax. Sfax? Mm -hmm. Sfax, yeah. S-F-A-X. Yes. And it's the... City of about, from what I understand, it's about a million people. And it's very, it's very like a university and industry city, industrial. Right, right. It's actually the best city to live in in Tunisia. It's where everyone wants to be because there's jobs, there's universities. It's a very, very famous city, very historic place. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> and, and Sfax has always had universities. Um, so that's, that's really good. So my academics are in the field of international relations and I do speak French. I'm a French speaker. 
Um, and probably what happened is because of my blindness, Oliver, I wasn't able to get into jobs overseas. You know, the blindness factor and just sort of dealing with those types of things, it just wasn't wasn't possible for me, really. But I do teach English online. Um, and I've been doing that for six years. And then I've been podcasting seriously for about three, two or three years. So what, you know, so what is your educational background? And you say that you're teaching a course in English communication. So exactly who are your students and like how, like what, what is the course? That's a good question. Yeah. So my background isn't really in teaching very much. I have in the past, my teaching, I guess my teaching sort of began when I did math tutoring. I was volunteering as a math tutor when I was maybe, I don't know, maybe 14 or so. And then I worked at a tutoring center at my college and led some study groups. And there was a job position where I was attached to a calculus class, I think it was. And I would uh, host the study sessions, study groups for them. Uh, and then I've done a little bit of substitute teaching as well. I have a substitute teaching credential in California as well. But my degree isn't in teaching, it's in communication. So I pretty much, for this class that I'm doing in Tunisia, I took the stuff I learned in university pretty much in my classes, and I put them to use in team building activities it's uh, kind of like a business class as well. So um, teaching how to interview, especially in the English language and doing mock professional setting, like meetings, different things like that, debates, stuff like that. Right, right. And I think that's really, really valuable for Tunisian people because, you know, I, as I said, I mean, actually, I have been to Africa before I've been to Swaziland. Um, and if you get the chance, you should definitely go down there. It's definitely worth it. But one thing that is true is that the rest of the world doesn't really understand the expectations that we as Americans have in the business world. You know, there's the American way of doing things. And then the rest of the world is sort of the rest of the world. So what have you found to be you know, some of the key, um, some of the key challenges and key differences that you're noticing uh, when you go to set up these mock interviews and mock business settings for these Tunisian students. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily in the business world aspect of things that I've noticed very different things. I think it's more in like the political stances that I've seen, mm -hmm. like, uh, well, I guess related to the debate topics. One thing that stood out to me was I was going over different debate topics with my students. And one of the ones that came up that I thought they might like to do was a debate on the death penalty. Oh, but boy. so I asked, uh, <laughs> I asked all my students, like, so are you like pro or for like pro or against, you know, would you guys like maybe be split on this to debate it? But all of them wanted were pro death penalty. <laughs> all of them were pro death penalty, which was it really surprising. It to doesn't me. surprise me at all. And that in that part of the because that part of the world where you are now doesn't have patience or tolerance 
they don't tolerate behavior problems in that part of the world. So that doesn't surprise me at all um, that there would be so much of a of a strong support for that. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was crazy. But the thing is, when I looked it up later, I don't think in Tunisia there has been a execution since 1993 or so. So I don't, I guess people support it, but it's not happening. So I'm not really sure where the connection or disconnect is there. Yeah, I don't know. There could be a lot of different things. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, in, nowadays in the States, we're trying to steer away from from uh, capital punishment. It's always a big drama, as you know. So, yeah, but but that that doesn't surprise me. So, I mean, the other thing, too, is, I mean, you're teaching these students in English, but how's your Arabic? How's your French? You know, are you able to are you confident in French or Arabic? Uh, you know, what? actually, I've been practicing. So it's a different form of Arabic than like regular Arabic here. It's I mean, it's called Tunisian Arabic, I guess. Yeah. And what they say is that if you learn Tunisian Arabic and then you go to an Arabic speaking country, that's not Tunisia, right? Uh, they wouldn't be able to understand you what you're saying, actually. So they understand regular Arabic here because that's what they learn in school. But the dialect here, I guess, is very different. But what I've done to learn it so far is I've been having a notebook and I go coffee almost every night with some friends and then every i'll be like learning new words so i write them down and the pronunciation you know and all that and i've been learning how to read uh arabic script as well so it's been fun so far mm, mm, good good yeah some some tunisians prefer french others arabic it just it just depends usually the older people will speak french and the younger people will speak arabic usually mm-hmm um, and so what can you tell, you know, tell us about living in Sfax? You know, what are the living arrangements, the accommodations? What, what, what have you noticed? Um, it's pretty interesting here. So one thing that's been going on since I came here to Sfax is I think maybe one or two weeks after I got here, the garbage the collection there has been some sort of strike or some sort of issues with garbage collection <laughs> so uh over maybe the past month and a half and i think maybe in the last week or two now so it's probably been about a month and a half since this issue started and maybe in the last week or two it's they've been collecting it a little bit but uh, there's just been piles of garbage in like in front of our house <laughs> in the streets like at every corner, there's a large pile of garbage around the garbage bin. And then sometimes when uh, I go get coffee at night, you know, you'll see just piles of trash getting burned and, you know, it doesn't smell very nice. So that's one thing. That that doesn't does not surprise me. The the infrastructure in, in the country is very, very poor. And both my my acquaintances, Meriam and, and Radwan, have told me that there's a lot of internal problems in Tunisia where those things that we would take for granted in the States just don't occur. Just They just don't happen there. Um, picking up trash, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I didn't specifically know that, Oliver, but that doesn't, I'm not, I'm not at all surprised. 
Um, there's always that's always an issue. Yeah, probably mm. it's because they stopped paying the garbage men, the garbage collectors. And then in French culture, they stri- they striked. They carried out a strike and refused to drive the trucks around or collect the garbage. So, so actually, from what I understand about that, real quick, uh, sure. Because I was asking around about like what exactly was the issue, like what's going on, and also in the last, I think maybe a few days or the last week, there's been protests with the new dump site that they found. It's around. Uh, small village that's maybe i think 15 kilometers outside of sfax and they have been having like their protest against dumping the trash where like close by to where they live because maybe it's a hazard or something and they've had to bring in police to <clears throat> help allow the garbage uh, trucks to go dump there i don't know how they're going to solve it but hmm. yeah it's a lot of drama surrounding it for sure yeah, that is really that is really interesting. <clears throat> so, how did you come to meet Mariam? Uh, Mariam, yeah. So, I live uh, in a house, or I guess they call them villas here, because it's like a French word. Um, maybe on the I think twelve kilometers, thirteen kilometers. The way Sfax is set up, it's like a sort of like a half spider web with the downtown in the center and then the there's a shoreline on one side so there's uh some there's streets that go out i think maybe seven or eight streets that go out in all directions and then there's a couple rings of streets that like uh make it like a spider web mm-hmm. so i live on the end of uh like on one of the roads that goes out from the center is Tunis Road. And I live on the 12 kilometer, they say, um, 12 kilometers away from the center. So they measure it by how far away it is from the center. Hmm. And Mariam lives in a little apartment or studio right next door to me. So as soon as I got here, really, I met Mariam and... We've been friends ever since. Yeah, she. we both work at the center that I work at, Dreams in Motion. Mm-hmm. And so since she knows English very well yeah, and she Tunisian, does. she's helped me learn Tunisian and, you know, learn, get, uh, learn my way around, you know, taxis, getting through the city, et cetera. Right, right. So, you know, I think a lot of Americans would want to know, so how hard is it or how easy is it to live in Tunisia as an American? Um, I mean, I don't think it's, well, it's just different, really. So you would have to have different expectations of like what, like, depends what you expect from living, like what you expect from like your standards of life, I guess, like what I do on a day-to-day basis would be, I go, uh, just wake up, you know, go have my breakfast, go to the taxi stop or kind of like the uh, taxi stop. Sort of, I go to the main road, it's Tunis Road, I go straight to the center of the city and I grab a taxi. Uh, And the way they do it here is there's two ways that they have taxis. It's uh, the one way is called Conte, which is like a counter, like French. So by like the distance it goes. 
and then the other way is uh, it's called Biblasa. so it's like by by place or like by seat so four people can fit in a taxi Biblasa. so it's a lot cheaper to do it that way versus if you do it kanta you're paying like for the whole taxi you get me mm. so uh, so what pretty much everyone does here is they'll take it um, by seat. So you just pay for your seat. Uh, and you can definitely, sometimes it's cramped in the taxi depending on what seat you get, you know. Sometimes you'll be like smushed in between two people or the, my head will be kind of like uh, having to bend down forward if, I'm, if it's a short taxi or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I just... Uh, go get a taxi, you know, maybe takes five, 10 minutes to find one. And then goes, I go down to the center. There's the taxi stop there. And it costs about what one and a half dinar, which is, I think maybe like 50 cents, 60 cents, maybe. Wow. wow. So it's pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, and then I just cross for my workplace personally. Um, I get to the taxi stop and then I go by foot through the Medina, which is the old city. It's a uh, walled off i don't know how old it is to be honest i would say probably at least like 600 years old I, I don't know the exact age but it's like the old city it's like a little uh fort or keep in the middle of the city it's walled off and then there's like kind of it's kind of like sort of slums or alleyways and there's like a market streets there's lined streets with uh, a lot of markets and yeah, but it's, uh, so I just walk through there um, and then maybe it's another, it's about a 10 minute walk to work. So it's pretty simple for me. I just take the taxi, walk to work, and then, you know, I do my teaching, do my stuff at the center. Uh, I wouldn't say it's very hard per se. It's just maybe adapting with the language. I'm like going to go get lunch, you know, I need to learn how to speak to the sandwich vendors. The restaurants when i got here it was extremely extremely hot so the summers here are burning like and it's very 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 humid so you'll just be sweating non-stop like i normally don't sweat very much or and i'm not used to having like a wet back from like <laughs> your my shirt is sticking to me and all that so that was really uncomfortable but now it's pretty uh cool Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. So basically, for you in Tunisia to order food or to go to stores, you would need to be able to speak either Arabic or French with the vendors, right? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. They would they would understand they would understand me in in my French. Um, oh sure. Yeah. They 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 would understand. Sometimes I notice that they don't like to they don't always like to respond in French, but probably if you spoke French, they would understand. Probably. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. So now that you're used to eating Tunisian food, um, well, I actually, I have to ask, are there any American restaurants in Sfax since it's so global? Okay. So to be honest with you, Sfax, I wouldn't say is extremely global. It's mm. like Tunis is much more global than Sfax. There's, I think I've met, but, um, I know one other American besides my boss and there's one Canadian that I know. And besides that, I think it's 
almost like it's pretty much all Tunisians here. Like I was with my friend and um, I don't think people really see any foreigners, especially not Americans really here. Uh, I was with my friend and we stopped by um, his family's house and his uh, I think nephew came out. And he was like, wait, are you, uh, are you really American? <laughs> I'm like, are you really from California? I was like, yes, I am. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, oh, really? <laughs> he's like, it's kind of like a, almost like a spectacle or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of stereotypes about people from California. But what, why did, why did he think, why did this nephew think that you are not from California? What, what disqualified you from being from California? Um, I don't even necessarily think it was that. I think maybe he just didn't really think anyone from California would be here. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would that's what I would think too because you know, mm -hmm. the lifestyles are totally different, you know. Um mm -hmm. so that that is very that is very interesting. Yeah. So were you able to um did the nephew like ask you questions about California? Were you able to, you know, educate the nephew about, you know, li living in California? <laughs> not really actually we were just stopping by the house for a second so he I just see. popped out and then he said hi and then he went back in i see i see that's that's interesting have any of your students asked you any questions um about the states or about living in california um uh, i think so one question that they ask a bit is like do you drink like because Drinking is a big taboo there with Muslim culture right. and all that. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. So, like, do you like do you drink beer? Like, do you drink wine? Do you drink like what do you drink? That's something that I've heard a lot. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I see. I see. I see. And how do you answer that question? Do you tell them if you drink or not, or how do you what what do you how do you respond to that? Yeah, no, I'll just tell them. Yeah, I'll drink beer like normally at home or. I tell them that I really haven't drank much since I've been here. I think That's I've had, good. yeah, yeah, like uh, maybe, yeah, I've drank like maybe one or two nights that I've been here uh, in two months. So I see, I see. Um, so in other words, if you want mm -hmm. to buy beer as a foreigner in Tunisia, are, are there places where you can like discreetly buy alcohol for yourself, or how how do you find out about that? Okay, so to be honest. No one's like really, there's not like, um, it's not that bad to buy alcohol. You can go to the store and buy alcohol. You can buy beer. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe at supermarkets, there will be more liquor, but like there's bars in the street and like people, you can see people just drinking beer in bars and stuff. Right. Like right, right. next to my, the center where I work, there's a couple bars right there. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you have to be discreet about it. And I think the other thing is, that if you are a foreigner, like no one really judges you. I think they would probably judge more like locals that drink. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's foreigners. definitely the case. That's, that's definitely the case. And then, you know, how are you, you know, so you work all day at the school and then how do you usually spend your time? Like at night, like what are some of your hobbies? What are some new hobbies that you have adopted now that you're living there? Well, I guess my lifestyle now is, uh yeah working and then the main thing is like since i've been here so now i've been here what two months exactly almost so first i was kind of like exploring new areas maybe 
um, going to the gym, going to different places. I think I took a few trips. I went to Tunis. I went to the island Karkna, which is uh, uh, just uh, it's a ferry right away from Sfax. It's maybe, I don't know, maybe an hour ferry. There's an island off Sfax. And then did some sightseeing. There's a old Coliseum that's close by here, actually. It's called El Gem. And it's pretty much what the Coliseum in Rome was modeled after, from what I understand. Hmm. And it was maybe like 20, 30 minutes outside of Sfax. And uh, it's really an amazing place to visit, actually. Because when I went there, I thought it was going to be a lot smaller, the Coliseum. But I think it, I don't know what the like ratio and size comparison is, but I would say maybe it's like two thirds or more the size of the Coliseum like it's really not it's really very big so that was really cool to see I love like seeing historical um, buildings and things like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah probably the the Coliseum was built by the Romans when the Romans were in Sfax so it probably is the real thing mm -hmm. yeah. yeah oh yeah no I mean like um the uh, the Coliseum in Rome Mm -hmm. I guess they were like, what they said, what they told me was they were jealous of this Coliseum that they had in Sfax um, because it was so nice. So they were like, okay, we're going to build one in Rome as well. So uh, they copied that and just put one in Rome too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, I see. I see. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. Pro probably it could have gone either way. You know, who knows? Obviously, a Tunisian will tell you that the Romans modeled their Colosseum after theirs. The Romans would say we modeled, we, we made you adopt our Colosseum because it is the best. So who, who knows which way that will went? Probably it's because yeah. the Romans already knew how to build a Colosseum and they put it in Sfaxa. Um, that's, that's interesting. Oh yeah, I'm sure the Romans built it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I've been to a lot of the ruins too, all over France and, um, well, really all over, all over the world. I've seen several different ruins of the Roman empire that, you know, that always mm. impresses me. I always love talking about history. And as I said, my academics are in the field of international relations, but I've always been, you know, the history buff, loving to talk about, you know, the Roman Empire and, and really what they left behind. Mm. Which, of course, really what they left behind is the truth that life was very similar back then, as just as similar as it really is today. People lived lives and did all sorts of things. Um, it's really quite, really quite amazing. I always think that life in that time period must have been probably if you were a very wealthy person and very healthy. Uh life would have been good. But if you were anything else, life would have been pretty bad. But, you know, when you think about it today, we still have a lot of the world's population living in very less than desirable circumstances. And we don't, we don't even notice it. So who knows if we're any better? Who knows? Um, it, really? is, it is very fascinating. If you go to, um, have you been to France yet? Uh briefly a couple times i've been to paris okay that, that that good actually i do speak french but i've never been to paris that's a very ironic thing but if you do go back to france you, you should go back to the city of Exon, as in Exon provence because in Exon the romans built a large um resort there for the troops to have vacations and for the roman elite to go to Exon 
to to vacation. So there's a major Roman uh, Roman city there. It's quite quite incredible. Yeah, Aix en Provence. Mm-hmm. Very, it's very interesting. The problem is is that the the provincial people, the people who live in Aix, uh, do not seem to speak any English at all. Not even not even a word. So it would be hard <laughs> if you don't speak French in that city. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I am uh, learning a little bit of French at the moment too. So <laughs> maybe I can say hi or something. Maybe maybe you can maybe you can say salut, right? Yeah, salut. <laughs> Bonjour. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's that's good. That's great. But mm-hmm. but in in France, you definitely have to speak speak French. They m- many of them, but uh, don't really speak English. But anyway. So are you planning any other trips to other countries around Africa? I mean, you're on, you know, you're in Africa now. You're in a lot of, uh, there's a lot of interesting countries around you. Are you planning any other trips? Um, to be honest, I haven't planned anything to Africa. I'm planning to go to Spain, uh, Malaga and Granada mm-hmm. um, for a week uh, at the beginning of December. Because I have a friend that lives there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really thought about where traveling in Africa. And I don't know. I'm just very unaware of like how everything is there. And I don't know, going as a solo traveler to there just seems, uh, I don't know. It's like, I don't know if I would feel super secure, but I guess it depends where I go to. It does. Yeah. Well, you can go to Swaziland um, and go to some of the uh, tours and safaris there that's fine yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's that's, that's yeah that's interesting um you can probably actually if you get a uh well it's very funny of course you can't fly to swaziland you have to fly to south africa and then you have to be driven into swaziland they have um it's very funny when i was in swaziland they have an airport in swaziland but nobody uses it it's only they only do like one flight there's only one airline and one flight that flies back and forth out of that airport or some some such story so it is very 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 interesting yeah i would highly recommend it mm-hmm. okay yeah and, uh, i'll have to so, look into that so now, now yeah if you fly to johannesburg you can get a a shuttle a van to take you to but it does, and, it does require going to south africa and they yeah. speak english there or what language do they speak there it's called so their local language is called siswati um, as in okay. Swazi, but yes, the okay. guides, some of the guides speak English um, better than others. Obviously, the people who work in the parks, who work in the, you know, nature parks and, and nature reserves speak English perfectly. Um, but mm. if you're out, you know, in, in a village, nobody, especially the children, nobody speaks English um, okay. or, or Arabic or anything like that. They speak, no, they have their own languages. Yeah, they mm. said... They said that they speak Saswati, but the answer is in each of these countries in sub-Saharan Africa, they speak hundreds of languages. So it just depends. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot to do in your in your region, but but good, 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 good. And um, so now that you're living there, what's your favorite Tunisian food? My favorite Tunisian food, huh? I don't know really if it's like anything. Super special, probably just the fish here. Sfax is really well known for their fish. So every time I've ordered fish at a restaurant uh, here, it's been really, really good. Mm-hmm. They, I don't know what kind of fish it is. Maybe it's from the sea nearby here, probably. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. 
um, the fish here, and then they have these like three salads that they serve with it and bread. I don't know exactly how to describe the salad. It's kind of like uh, heaps of salsa almost like one of them's kind of like salsa verde. And then uh, there's one that's like diced up, like kind of like a Greek style salad. Yeah. And then, yeah, so they have stuff like that. Um, I just really like the fish here. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's really that's really good. That's that's really, really, really excellent. Yeah. It's probably a lot of different influences. Those salads sounds like they come from Greece or the other countries that influence Tunisia mixed with the mm-hmm. Tunisian people. So a lot of it has to do with that. And I'm sure you could find French food there, too, somewhere. But um, anyway, Oliver, have you ever been on a podcast before? Because I'm, you know, I'm quite impressed. You know, you came, uh, you know, you came out today, not even knowing who I am. I'm just a friend of Mariam. And I, I really appreciate you coming out today. Did, have you ever, do you ever listen to podcasts? Um, have you ever thought of podcasting yourself? What do you think about that? Um, I've never really thought of podcasting myself. I have listened to some podcasts briefly, you know, Rogan clips, maybe something like that. I don't mm-hmm. really listen to full podcasts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's fun. I thought it would be cool. You know, you go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is. I mean, that's why I try to keep my podcast to about an hour because you're very right. You know, these famous, you know, really great podcasters that you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, they podcast for two and three and four hours sometimes. And I think that that's, in my opinion, that's too long. I think you lose the attention of the listener. I think people are only willing to listen to a topic for about an hour before they just start to shut down. So I think that's it's a very, very interesting um, observation that you made. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. I actually have a kind of a counterpoint to that. Not exactly, sure. but I kind of feel like with some, it kind of depends like what your goal is with the podcast, right? Not necessarily your goal, but I mean like a general goal for anyone. Sure. Um, because I know that some podcasts are like, specifically about a topic or specifically about centering around someone's life right and then some i kind of feel like maybe the joe rogan podcast goes into like everyone's like complete philosophical views about anything like at all which can definitely take a lot of time to um get through and discuss so sometimes some i guess uh conversations could definitely take a longer time to fully I guess, but I think, I don't know, I have a counterpoint to yours, which is that I think if you're really trying to dig into the philosophy, you should Mm -hmm. be able to uncover philosophy within an hour. So that should be, that should be the power of it. If someone has a defined, defining philosophy or life, you know, life's, you know, life message or perspective, it should be discoverable within an hour. But I you know. maybe maybe some other people like to unfold slowly. I tend to be more direct, but I don't know. That's that's just me. And now, did did Mariam ever tell you who I am? Um, no, not really. I mean, she just said that uh, you have a podcast that uh, you're blind, and that's pretty much it. I think. I don't even know if she mentioned that you were blind, actually. I think she was just saying, there's someone that um, has a podcast that, uh, do you want me to tell them that you're interested? And I was like, okay. (laughs) 
Cool, cool. So at this school that you're working in, Oliver, have have you ever taught a student with a disability? Um, not yet, I don't think. Um, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think yeah. I have taught someone with a disability. Yeah, because one of because I, I really appreciate you for being a great teacher there in Tunisia. It's really it's re, it's a really great thing to do in life teaching because there's a lot of people that really need to be educated properly. And that one of the one of the problems in Tunisia, among many of them, is that the the education system has really declined um, from, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Sfax would have been one of the most, you know, would have been a much more productive and educated and, you know, much more stable place, you know. Um, but I think it's great that you're doing that. And uh, that's really valuable mm -hmm. so besides this communications course at the and i guess about that like why would the students need to take your course what does it allow them to do is it a prerequisite for a university or like how does it work well it's kind of like an additional learning course so the way we have the english classes set up here it's well it's like a1 level a2 level b1 level b2 level and then for students here, if they they can take the B2 level or they could take this communication class and we'll give them like a certificate that's like of that level. So they can take this class instead of it. Or some people just take it because they want to learn more about like pronunciation of real world scenarios for like interviewing skills, you know, and then just um, to practice their English skills. Like communication, I guess, the speaking skill. Hmm. Well, good, good. And what are some of the topics that you um, that you focus on in your communications course? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've been kind of developing it as I go because I had a framework uh, already set up by Richard Howard, um, who he's been teaching the class before I came. I think sometimes I don't really know how much they teach this class, but um, the way it was set up at the moment or when I came was it's like a business section. There's like a social section. There is a traveling and shopping section and a like a political event, sort of like global, I don't know, politics or global issues section. So each section is kind of centered around like vocabulary and maybe learning some idioms and then different activities centered around them. So it would be like the interview, the mock meetings, maybe uh, I've been going to the a cafe with them doing the social section and um, just speaking about um, doing, I, I'm really just playing games with them actually, different uh, Word games and stuff like that. Icebreakers and things like that. Yeah, things yeah. of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I, the, the debates have been really popular. So, to be honest, I'm after I I just finished my first. I had uh, my first course of like students. I think it was like eight students. They like completed the course, and they all kind of gave an assessment of it. And from what I understand, something that they want to that they would have liked to focus on more is the pronunciation side of things. And then 
I guess they were unimpressed with the curriculum as it stood. So that's some things that I definitely want to work on developing. And then to that, um, to that, uh, I guess related to that, I am actually, I haven't gotten like a teaching certification or anything like that. So uh, I'm planning to take a TEFL course online, T-E-F-L, mm -hmm. teaching English as a foreign language. Yeah. Yeah. That's what so I have. Just, yeah. Yeah. To uh, improve my lesson planning and just overall get a better understanding for how to run a classroom setting and stuff like that. Right. Right. I think that's really important. Yeah. I went with a company called Oxford Seminars. So that's a good one. Okay. Um, good, good to know of that one. But there, there are many ways that you could get a, a certificate. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how much longer, you know, how long are you planning on staying there in, in Tunisia? Um, at the moment, I'm planning on staying till about May. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And, and yeah, I um. Okay, so originally my contract here for teaching was set up as a minimum of four months to cover the expenses that they incur with like my flight and stuff. And uh, so that would go to, that would be running till I think January 15th. And the way it works here is if you don't get a residence visa or something of that, like that, or residence here, something like that, which I guess it takes a lot of paperwork to do this. Uh, you can't stay for longer than four months without when you're leaving, you would have to pay some fine, which to be honest, the fine isn't very much. I think it's $20, $30 per extra month you stay over. But um, since, um, so the originally, so originally my flight out of here was going to be exactly four months after I came. So then I wouldn't have to worry about any of this residency which apparently it's uh it really is annoying to go through but i'm going to be traveling to spain in december so every time you go out and back in it resets the time around the four months so um my then i'll have from december till i think maybe early april that i can stay in tunisia with no issues and then tentatively i don't have really any plans set or anything but I guess I'll plan to maybe uh, travel somewhere else, take a flight somewhere, maybe Africa, maybe Germany, I have a friend there as well, uh, to reset my timer before <laughs> April, and then I'll be totally fine by May. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of this. This is very common in your industry to have to do that. It's very common. Yeah, yeah. Well, good, good. Well, in the in the remaining time that I have today, um, mm -hmm. I'm sure that you have a lot of questions, and I always love to let guests ask all of their questions or as many as we can. So, what are some questions that you have for me that you want to know about me, about blindness, about teaching, about podcasting? Go right ahead. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so, how long has this podcast been going for? How long? It's you know at this kind of format, it's been going on for about two or three years. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. 
Okay, so what was your goal initially when you started? Out? Well, my goal was that I saw that there was a problem in the in the podcasting field and industry, which is that there are a lot of podcasts that are run and produced by blind people. But in my opinion, those blind people are not open and are not open and accepting of all guests and that there's this whole, you know, jumping through hoops and, you know, it can be very, very, very difficult to be a guest on a podcast, uh, depending on who you are and who the podcaster is. So I wanted to create the most open podcast on iTunes or the most open channel on YouTube where people can come from all over the world, whether they're, you know, in Tunisia or wherever they might be, and still have the have the privilege and opportunity of telling their story. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a good goal, yeah. I like that. Um, so, I guess, what is uh, some of the biggest uh, issues or challenges that you face of like I kind of want something I was wondering is with interacting with technology, I guess, with the podcast stuff and messenger and et cetera, like mm -hmm. how challenging is that um, not being able to see? Well, we have voiceover. So we have a lot of software that helps us to read what's going on throughout those apps. Um, but, you know, generally it's the, the technology has gotten to a point where this whole notion of podcasting has become uh, much, much easier. About 10 years ago, doing something like this would have been much more challenging and would have been much more intensive than it is now. Um, you know, without Zoom, without an easy way to record and save the files and things like that. This would have been very difficult a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't really know exactly what it goes to podcasting, but I assume there's a lot of different like uploading, downloading, saving files, moving files, like a lot of different semantics and whatnot. Right, right. Well, there's, you know, the audio of this goes into the podcast audio software, but then the video is what's on YouTube. So more people watch than listen, but more listeners are American and more viewers or watchers are outside of the United States. So there's mm -hmm. two different audiences that are consuming the same content in a different way. So it gets it gets very interesting. And then after this recording um, later on today, after I'm done with my teaching, I'm going to send you over to my WhatsApp group for all of the guests. Um, and Radwan is definitely Mariam is definitely there along with Radwan, although they aren't always active in the group. But it's a really good opportunity for you because then you can talk to all of the guests and share your story with them. And they're from all over the world, everywhere. Um, so that's a very, very interesting aspect of podcasting. It's this whole notion of being able to create a product that people can connect to, you know, once they guest. So it's all, all very positive. That's the thing I notice about it is that this is always a positive um, activity in all of the negativity that's going on around the world this is something that's always positive so yeah mm -hmm. that's cool yeah i mean i think always having open conversations is always great and it's something well, that's why i wanted to join the podcast really is i always like uh speaking and learning about people and mm. expressing myself well that's really good that's really good do you have any um 
you know what? I just want to say I think I'm I'm coming up on a time pinch, um, but I just wanted to to say that I really appreciate you joining us today. No, you are you are forever welcome here, and um, you're always welcome to come back. So from here, I'll say this was a great episode with you. Later today, I'll add you into the WhatsApp and uh, always. Always talk there. I do think WhatsApp is easier to use, by the way. Um, okay. So, yeah, we can connect there. And I just want to extend my appreciation to you. Keep up your great work as a teacher over there in Tunisia. You're really helping that country. So, so really, God bless you for that. And and just hang in there and keep enjoying the experience, all right? <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're always welcome here at Aaron's Opinion, Oliver. And have a good evening over there. Take care, all right? Yeah, you too. Okay. Take care, man. You've been listening to Communication with Oliver right here on Life Improvement Radio or wherever else you get a podcast along with YouTube. Oliver, thank you so much. You did a, gr- a great job today, even though you were a little shy at first. You had to get used to being on a podcast. I think you still did. You definitely did a magnificent job, and I really enjoyed um, talking to you about your experience in Tunisia. Uh, all of the different things you're learning, and it, it's, it sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like a really, really good experience. I also want to take this time to thank all of the listeners from all four corners of the globe for tuning in to Aaron's Opinion each week, every Thursday, or probably every single day, really, but I really appreciate that. Thank you again to the Helium Radio Network for syndicating Aaron's Opinion each week. So thanks so much, everybody. Telephone number 1240-681-9869. That's for the public WhatsApp group, along with sending me text messages or voicemail contributions, or you still just want to get in touch, okay? And the email address again, Opinion 6 at gmail.com. A-A-R-O-N-S-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-6 at gmail.com. Follow on Facebook and Twitter, comment below on YouTube, even consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page. Thanks so much, Oliver. Thanks so much, everybody else. I really enjoyed today's episode, as always. All right, great episode today, everybody. Thanks so much. Uh, Help one person today. Help a million people tomorrow. Aaron Richmond, Aaron's Opinion, on Life Improvement Radio, on the Helium Radio Network.